Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday Sit Down. I'm Reverend Phil Dickey, and this, my friends, is our last Sunday Sit Down. At least in this format, at this time, uh, we have done this as a way to kind of have an intro into our worship time each Sunday morning, where um, I have a conversation typically with one or two other people about just things that are happening, either in the church or in the world. Um, sometimes tied to our worship series, sometimes not. And uh, today, since I thought this is our last episode in in the series like this, and in the the really kind of an era, right? We've been like this from. Almost, uh, I guess, since July of last year. So um, I thought, what better way to wrap this up and kind of bring it to a close in this way than to bring on the Reverend Jim Keat. Jim is the digital, let me get it right, digital minister from uh, Riverside Church. Is that what? You, is that your title? That's the digital. title. We made it up about two years ago, and then suddenly it became very that. relevant when the pandemic happened. <laughs> So, so Jim and I got connected. There was another United Methodist clergy person who who told me about your work whenever we were looking to build um, at a different church I was at and build some online ministry. And he, uh, great, you graciously took a call from me and my friend Elizabeth, and we we talked for about an hour. And then you got me connected with Virginia Theological Seminary, where we where I met our, our other friend Sarah and did a lot of work with her. And then through the work with Virginia Theological, um, we just started being in a lot of shared spaces together. And um, Jim became the person that during the pandemic, I really turned to, to say, Jim, we have this issue. What are y'all finding and how are you exploring these digital ministry aspects? Um, you held office hours for almost the entire summer last year, right? Up until my son was born, that kind of became a little tricky suddenly with a newborn. <laughs> and so by office hours, you'd have clergy from all over the country. I don't, did, was it international? Maybe we got some Canadians on, I think. So we could probably call it international. <laughs> that might be right. That might be right. Uh, and yeah, people would just show up from all over the place to, to come and just have conversations about how do we do this idea of digital church. And so I really wanted to bring you on today. One, just because I love to be able to spend time with you anytime I can. Um, also, we've, we've never met in person. So one day we will have the, the benefit of being actual, actually able to connect in person. But but I wanted you to, to come on and I just wanted to hear, like, what what are you seeing? What are you exploring? What are your hopes and dreams moving back now into person and what is that going to mean for you as a digital minister at Riverside and, and how do you see that changing if at all or will you just kind of continue status quo with um, the way you've been doing things even though Riverside will be back in person now? Well, I, I, I will always reject being status quo. That's that's a perpetual goal in life. Uh, but, never. Uh, never. But I mean, um, I mean, I mentioned I, I started as digital minister prior to the pandemic because we, we just kind of had this hunch that, you know, the Internet was going to be a thing that might make an impact on the world and maybe even the church if she'd let it. Uh, so summer of 2019, I shifted my role at Riverside Life. My wife and I left the city and began traveling full time and I was working remote before that was the hip thing to do. And I was Riverside's digital minister, creating online content and cultivating our online community. Because Riverside's been um, live streaming our Sunday morning services for nearly a decade now. We've always had various online um, content. Largely, that's been my role for the past four years, but I really wanted to focus more exclusively on our online congregation. And then the pandemic happened. So it went from what's the digital minister to, oh, thank God, we have a digital minister, uh, which half the time means your Zoom tech support. But here, here's where I think this is going. And I think this is relevant for other pastors watching or other congregants watching. You know, a year or so ago, we all dove into 
everything is online. And that was a really big shift for a lot of our ways of understanding things. Uh, and I, I think we need to recognize that we're, we're stepping into another really big shift, not just going back to the building the way we used to, but now we've, we've learned so much from the past year. We've done more than just technical fixes. We've made adaptive changes into our cult and how we understand community and creating things for the world. And I think we can't say, okay, let's just forget all that and move back to the way things to be. Nor can we just expect all of the congregants and clergy to do twice as much in the same amount of time. Let's just do all the online stuff and all the in-person stuff. It's going to be a new adaptive change as we move into this hybrid space. So we, we can recognize a lot of the adaptive changes we did in the past year. Uh, and my fear is that we'll just try to do technical quick fixes again, put a bandaid on it. But we need to recognize this is an even bigger adaptive change as we truly merge these online and in-person spaces into the days and weeks and months, years, decades, centuries to come. Oh. Well, we know the pandemic shot us forward a whole lot, but there's definitely, I love the word adaptive you keep saying, right? That's such an important word for us in the church because often I always joke that the, the United Methodist Church is at least 10, if not 15 years behind typically uh, in adapting to the, the modern technologies that are being used. So th this did shoot us forward a little bit and it's been helpful. Um, what were some of the things that you saw or heard from people you know, across the country that, that really caught you by surprise the way they were adapting and implementing things that were, were really unique and, and interesting for you? It was just always refreshing to hear people say how um, even just using Zoom as a way to connect with small groups and prayer groups or Bible studies or worship services. Uh, well, people were unable to gather physically in person. They, they felt a deeper connection to one another through these online spaces. I mean, I'm not saying we should just only do online for the rest of our lives. I think we need to have an integrated reality in these uh, modalities. But I think it's worth recognizing the intimacy that a video call provides. I think it's a couple of things. Yeah, Zoom fatigue is real. So is in-person meeting fatigue. Let's not ignore that. But I think Amen. Zoom meeting do at least two things that I think were kind of unconscious in our minds for the past year. Number one, we all get our name on screen right there. So there's always a connection of names and faces, which just adds to this connection and intimacy. And number two, you get to see kind of a glimpse into people's rooms and lives. Uh, it, it's like, you know, you don't just show up in your Sunday best to the church service. Suddenly you're bringing your life to the church service. And I think yeah. it's been really fascinating to hear from congregants who reflected saying that they felt more connected to one another this past year than in the decades previous in their life at the church, as well as congregants who just are unable to physically get to the building, who haven't been able to get to the building for some time, right. who felt like this is the first time I felt connected to my church ever. And so I'm not, again, saying we need to just stay online, but I hope we can remember that and retain that sense of intimacy and connection uh, with a, kind of a shared empathy for the people who can't be in the space. We don't just forget about them once we can walk through the doors and sit in the pews again. I, uh, we had a Bible study we ran every Wednesday morning, eight o'clock for the, the entirety of the pandemic. And some of the, this, this intimacy, right. That we experienced in this, I was really blown away by because I knew it, 
in my mind that this could be the reality. This was a potential that could happen. But the things that were shared and the deep explorations and the just really great learning that we did together about both the Bible, but also each other was really inspiring. It was an inspiring experience yeah. for me. And I, I'm, I think I can speak for our Bible study group that was there um, to share that as well. And, you know, I think that, you know, that probably does happen in person too, but there was something, like you said, when was the last time the church was, was in this many people's living rooms or kitchens or, you know, like it's just a really unique experience to be able to, to take a deeper look into people's realities. And so yeah. I'm really grateful for that. I love that that's been a part of our last year's narrative and, 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 and the access an 8am weekly Bible study. I mean, yeah, maybe if I live local, I could show up to that semi-regularly, right. but suddenly if it's on zoom or however you're connecting online, the access is there for so many people. Riverside has been doing an 8am Monday through Friday prayer group uh, on zoom. Uh, and it's yeah. the same kind of a thing where if we were to try to do that in person in the building, we would get maybe two or three people who live within walking distance at eight in the morning. But because it's right. on Zoom, we have people from like a half dozen different states. There's one congregant who goes on a bike ride every morning, like one of those crazy long 30 mile bike rides around New York City. And she just parks on the side and gets out her phone and joins the Zoom call in the middle of she considers the bike ride her prayer walk, her prayer. And then this is just kind of a portion. But I love the access that is available, you know, for, for so church buildings are great. Let's not let's not deny that they serve a great purpose. But the, the downside is suddenly it's very easy to try to think everything has to revolve around that physical location. Even though we right. all learned in Sunday school that the church isn't a building, yet we're still stuck with this mindset of two are synonymous. But the goal has always been not to draw people in like some gravity, but it needs to be this like, you know, shooting people out. What's what's the opposite of gravity? I don't know. It's we need to figure that out. I need to watch Anti -gravity? some Anti-gravity? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we we have that plan. That's not to say we shouldn't have spaces to connect and gather and they serve a great purpose. But how do we not just get sucked in and stuck here? How do we constantly have this ebb and flow? And access is a big part of it. It can't just be come to my space. No, Jesus didn't say, therefore, invite people to come to your buildings and hear wonderful things. No, therefore, go to where the people are. That, that's been the whole point of incarnational ministry all along is being yeah. where the people are. I, I wish you said MySpace. I wish we still were at MySpace. <laughs> didn't Justin Timberlake buy MySpace at one point? Wasn't that a thing? Well, I meant MySpace as in my physical space, but I like that you immediately took it to MySpace. <laughs> I'm aging myself. Oh, um, Todd. This is so old school. That was the OG social medium. Okay, so... We talked hybrid a little bit. What when you when you use the word hybrid? What are you thinking, and how do you specifically how do you create hybrid experiences for people who are in person that also engage in the digital? Do you have you thought through that process? Yeah, some partly because I just keep talking about some of the things that you're cooked up in your corner of the world, uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, but but I often I often want to recognize that to be a hybrid church doesn't just mean everything needs to be in that overlap of equal like simultaneous access i think to be a hybrid church means we we kind of flip everything so everything has greater options for accessibility and some things might need to be online only and that's okay because that's a form of accessibility and some things are in person only the problem is if everything is only one way of access suddenly you're not really allowing for a hybridity of entry points so i think some things should just live over here and some things live over here, and then other things will get to kind of coexist in a shared space uh, but it's that shared space where I think it's important to recognize who, who's kind of the, the audience it's designed for first. Yeah. And then who's the audience who's being um, given access and greater engagement, possibly second. 
second. Chances are our Sunday morning worship services, when especially when we re-enter buildings again, we're going to be designing them for the in-person audience first. That's how we do the music and the experience with the things you see and hear and smell and all that stuff. And then we say, how can we put cameras in to make it accessible for the online audience? How can it be more engaging? How can we look to the camera? Those are all great tricks. But that's different than if you say were to say, let's do a worship service that's designed for the online congregation. And maybe we'll bring, bring people in kind of like a studio audience, you know, like late night with Seth Meyers, Saturday Night Live kind of thing. And I think that's is that still what you're cooking up in your corner? That's what we're working on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a variety show possibly. Yeah. That's kind of what we're working on. I, but so I think the biggest thing is to recognize who, who is, who's kind of the, the primary audience or who's, who's it yeah. designed for first and not to assume that everyone has, you know, equity there. But then the goal is if it's put cameras in, make it accessible, how do you have the online participant to not just be peeking in through the window to watch church happen? How do they still feel a connection and participation in that space? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the worship service. Then you can take it and scale it and think about different models of small group classes or, you know, sermon talkbacks and all sorts of things that can share sure. that kind of co hybrid kind of experience. Yeah, using the digital to even enhance the in-person aspect too. That's what, that's what I'm really interested in exploring a whole lot more, and there's a whole lot to explore there for sure. And I haven't it's, haven't cracked that by any means. Us, it's going to take us two to three years to really figure it out, largely because the technology needs to keep catching up. Because um, currently, to do like an integrated Zoom room kind of a setup, you can do that, but it's got a price tag to it, and it's it, it's a it, and and it's got a learning curve to it to figure out how to right. operate it all. So the 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 challenge is going to be navigating this current reality and anticipating it's going to kind of be easier and easier to integrate all those spaces. Totally. Okay. Next, next topic I have that I really wanted to get to is advocacy. I, I love what you're doing on TikTok, and I love to just hear what your thoughts are of what advocacy looks like, or even doing justice work in digital space. Cause I think that you've done a really great job of approaching this. Oh, well, well, bringing up TikTok's a good, good, interesting point. Anyway, that, that, you know, uh, of things that have popped up over the past year in the pandemic, I, I'm, I'm kind of a late adopter to TikTok. I've seen a lot of uh, other clergy who really jumped on just in the pandemic were like, well, what, what am I going to do now? And it's been incredible to see just the hundreds of thousands of people who are engaging with progressive Christian and progressive clergy content just on this, you know, short form little platform from your cell phone. Uh, but I, I think it, it's always the tension, any sort of online advocacy work of, you know, am I just doing the, all right, I said my thing, virtue signaling done, I can leave now. And, and, yeah. and I mean, that's the tension of any, any sermons we preach, you know, cool, I said the thing, I said it very boldly and prophetically, but how do you always balance um, your actions matching your words? I, I do find in the, the specificity of TikTok, it's been interesting, um, because it's, it's, it's a newish space, largely populated by, you know, younger demographics. Although there's some old folks like me and I, you're on there. I see you on TikTok. I haven't seen any videos from you yet, Phil, but I see yeah, you. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but I think it's interesting for the church to step into a space that isn't the typical church 
avenue. And so to, to be someone, I always wear my clerical collar. So I look like the part and everything, which means people often think I'm a Catholic priest. Uh, right. but, but I want the church to be present in these spaces for people to kind of get a glimpse of a different understanding of church or a church that is welcoming queer people and saying, God made you as you are and loves you or standing up and calling racism sin and declaring Black Lives Matter to be a theological statement. Uh, yeah. and, and how do people see someone who's wearing a pastor costume and, you know, talking intelligently about the Bible, at least I think it's intelligent, the comments don't always seem to agree, and inviting people to either have their kind of paradigm shifted or expanded, or for people who felt resonance with that kind of direction, for them to feel like welcomed and affirmed in that point of view. So I, I, I think it's an advocacy for saying, hey, you Christian who's expanding your way of thinking, ex-evangelical, whatever, keep going, you're doing great. And for those who are kind of like stubbornly clenching their fists to be like, you, you can you can still you can still keep stretching your rings. It's OK. My, my favorite, favorite thing, though, is just responding to comments. Um, and that's it, it. That's two things. It's one cathartic. And two, I think it's actually a discipleship strategy. It's cathartic because it's just fun to snark back. But it's fun because I think people who are watching the video read the comments. And when they see me, I do it as Riverside responding to someone's, you know, sassy comment with maybe equal sass or intelligence, it lets them understand how to respond when someone objects to the Bible affirming queer people or, you know, talking about race or racism or climate justice and these things. And it kind of models, hopefully, a way to even engage in dialogue rather than just the church always being the thing shouting at people. I love that you said that so much because I believe that... You know, rarely do we see people have full transformation experiences in the comments of anything on social media, but it, it is a modeling, you know, and I do think people are watching. And while you may never transform that person who's being, as you were saying, snarky, or there's a much stronger term that could probably be used that represents it pretty well, but you, you do get a lot of people that watch and can say like, here, again, here you have somebody who's very educated who knows what they're talking about and, and they're being really graceful and, and even some like humility aspects of that too. And that, that is discipleship. Right. And I love that, that you take that on as, as a way to do that. And I will tell, I I get really exhausted by that from time to time. And sometimes I have to just walk away, you know, like, all right, I can't be in these comments for the next 24 hours, but then I'll come back and I'll re-engage because it, 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 Zoom fatigue, comment fatigue, like the whole thing can be really exhausting. But I, I love that you take yeah. that mentality with a really great discipleship word. I, I don't do it all the time. And it started as, you know, just a, a more of a cathartic exercise. Like, eh, I yeah. can respond to that. But it's when I saw people who liked the video liking those comments. I'm like, oh, people yep. are reading the comments. The, the, the comments become a type of content. So I really think that's almost the more necessary depths of the advocacy work in that sort of online space. Not just, I made the thing there it is, that's good. But I often think that, you know, any sort of online content is, is kind of the, the campfire around which the conversation can happen. So what are the ways in which that sort of online connection and conversation, the comments is one of them. There's a myriad other ways in which, you know, online connection can happen. But I, I think it, we often think I made the thing I'm done. No, 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 no. You made the thing. Now you can start. It, it's kind of a little more exhausting. It just means we need to balance our lives and our work and our approach accordingly. It is, it is more exhausting, but it's the, I always say discipleship is relationship and that's the relational piece yeah. of it, right? Like you can put a video out, you can put a picture out, whatever the, the platform is. And like you said, kind of broadcast it out to the world, but engaging with people then is where that's where the relationship builds. And that's the power of the, that's the power of the gospel to me, right? Is that it shows, it says that I see you, I hear you, and I'm willing to engage you and even maybe hold you accountable if I don't think that you're being grace filled in yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> 
Um, this, Jim, this is really good. I, again, I just adore the work that you do. I, I'm always inspired to see what you're cooking up. And, um, I love to watch you on TikTok because it makes me giggle and I think it's great. And I, I secretly want to be that on TikTok and I just have to find my niche before I get promoting videos. But one of these days I'll get out there. So, um, Hey, thanks so much. Where, where can people find you if they want to follow your work and be able to, um, to keep up with you and the things that you're doing? Yeah, all, all things that I'm connected to are pretty easy to find from jimkeat.com. That's just kind of a little corner of the internet I've built on Squarespace to, to kind of point to all the spaces. But it'll point you to Riverside. It'll point you to I work with Convergence, which is a coaching consulting network, all, all sorts of stuff. But really, I, I like to make online stuff and I like to help other churches make online stuff. So if you yeah. come to my website, you should be able to find the spaces to everything. And really just follow Phil and me on TikTok. That's the way to go. I'm, I'm, I'm at Riverside NYC, so I'm running the church's account. And Phil, one, one of these days, you'll make your first video. I know I'm going to do it. And I think it's going to be my kids dancing, but I haven't decided yet. I just got to, I got to, you know, it's almost like you just got to jump in and do it. And I'm building up too much in my head, but Hey, real fast, you have a, a conference coming up and I, there's some other clergy that watches occasionally and it may not just be clergy who are interested. There may be other people who are really interested. You want to share real fast about what that conference is? Yes. This is through my convergence at, which is kind of the coaching consulting, helping others do stuff in the world and the church. But uh, we're, we're hosting the online church conference. Uh, gave it a very simple name because I didn't have time to think of anything better. Uh, but really, it's going to be two days with a dozen different leading experts and practitioners in online church specifically and creating digital content and digital ministry. Everything is available on demand. It's recorded. It's all done via Zoom. But it's June 9th and 10th. And if you go to faithlead.org, that's convergence online learning hub you'll see the thing where you can find out more and register uh it's gonna be great there's gonna be yeah a ton of different voices from around the world dave adamson is in australia so now we can truly say it's international uh love it it, i hope hope you can come if you're interested in online church stuff i think of it as a buffet where you get to kind of sample a lot of different things uh, and then know what's available as we take these steps into the future of the world and the church Jim, good stuff, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks for your time. Likewise, Bill. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll talk soon. Everybody, we'll be back at Forship in just a few minutes. We'll see you soon. 